but they're focused on how do we make sure our members are succeeding? Like, how do we make sure their bottom line is working with mixed designs? And so let's go back to EPDs and let's answer that question. What are they and why do people need them? Tell us what they are. I'm the non-engineer, so I need to know. So EPDs are environmental product declarations. The classic example or analogy is you go to a grocery store, you buy a piece of food or you buy some food and there's a nutrition label that tells you the calories, the sugar, the carbohydrates and all that. So you can look at it and try to make an intelligent choice of, do I need to put this in my body or not? Right. EPDs are that, except instead of calories, you're looking at things like global warming potential. Or instead of carbohydrates, it's eutrophication or acidification, looking at like acid rain and stuff. Welcome to The Contractor's Daughter, your go-to podcast for eliminating random acts of strategy and marketing in your highway construction business. Hello, friends. I'm your host, Jeannie Rinkup. I'm a third-generation asphalt contractor and an absolute brand strategy and marketing geek. And Richard from National Asphalt Paving Association, they have an incredible podcast that I was blessed to be on and it was so much fun. So I thought I would track them down and see how's the show, how's Con Expo been for you guys? Like we've had some presentations already. It's been good. It's been nice to see each other again and get back into the space. It's been great to interact with different part of our membership that comes to this show to, mm-hmm. to get some of the technical education and Mm-hmm. and get those experiences. So I've enjoyed that. I agree. I had a lot of fun. We did a session earlier in the week on best practices for tack coats. So that was kind of an interesting experience. And then yeah. we've had, uh, we have 16 asphalt sessions as part of the education program here. And oh they're God. all, you know, good technical, you know, Great. interesting topics that are really core to the industry and are being well attended. So it's been a fun time to see that. Yeah. And I've, I've heard that like the education sessions are just packed and like they're having to turn people away at the door. Yeah. We had, I know for one that I moderated earlier in the week that uh, it was standing room. And like you said, that people were coming to the door and it was just like too much. Go in oh, the room. So yeah, so it's great Awesome. See. So you're available for moderator. You can come in tomorrow yeah. and moderate for me. Yeah, absolutely. I got the, I got the tag. <laughs> he's, I'm, he's I'm official. official. So, yeah, so okay. Can, okay. So yeah, I, I just that. found my moderator for tomorrow. <laughs> right. There you go. <laughs> yep, tell me the I'll make it happen. Awesome. So, yeah. All right. So, Tell me, what were you presenting on this morning? You were telling me it was a really good nine in the morning topic. What was it? So we actually co-presented on the, the TAC Coats okay. project. So okay. Awesome. It, was, it was relatively light for us in terms of presenting this time. It's nice to bring in other people to, oh, okay. to kind of be the technical experts. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what's going on the podcast these days? So we just launched season six a few weeks ago. And actually, okay. the, the third or fourth episode dropped on Monday. And we're really focusing on kind of industry projects and industry wins and kind of approaching things from different angles. So like the first episode was with John Hay from CRH Americas and talking about some of the the government affairs efforts which have happened recently. There was another one that focused on the recent winner of the Ray Brown Award that Napa presented. So talking to the contractors who actually built that and what it means to be recognized for that. And then the one this week was focused on workforce development and some okay. of the efforts that Jason Dunnick and his group have done in Minnesota, partnering with some of the local schools and actually bringing the people from the schools in to talk right. about how do you start programs like this to, to get people into the, your industry and to your companies. And so 
those have really been kind of our focus is sharing those types of stories. And we've got some other good ones over the course of the next few months set up. Yeah. So what's coming up? What's the next season? I'll let you answer that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's to be determined. So kind of float those ideas. We have several out there, but this season's you know, like three episodes in. We usually are like a 10 to 11 episode right. season, so we still have a decent amount. A lot of this season has been recorded. I'm trying to think of what we've talked about. I mean, some of the past seasons, there's a lot of interest like in technology in different areas, so those are some of the themes, but um, yeah. I don't know that we've really decided kind of going forward. Yeah, I can't believe that Pave It Black is on its 16th season. Like, Doesn't it feel like you guys just started? Or does it feel like you've done it forever? In some ways it does. I remember when Brett brought the idea to me, you could see he had that look in his eye where he was like, I was like, Brett, you're up to something. You got an idea. (laughs) And uh, I told him, I was like, well, I was like, we'll do four seasons. And I was like, and we'll reevaluate kind of at that point. Because you want to make sure you give something enough time to to, to kind of see if it's it's got an engineer approach. Yeah. (laughs) It works for me. But yeah, I think we're got most of season six recorded and we're always looking for new ideas. And so if there are right. people that are listening yeah. and they, they've got things that they want us to talk about or things that they're like, I, this is really changing fast and we need to learn about this and need it from another vehicle. We're, right. we're always open to, to those type of ideas and exploring it. And sometimes that means we have a season focused on a, a single topic from different angles and other times it's kind of a grab bag approach of just, this is what you need now. Right. Right. And I think like our industry moves so slow yet so fast, Right, like it's some of both. And so it's nice that you guys, you have those themes and people can follow them, but yet you have the flexibility of that format to provide additional content. So I love it. I'm a huge fan of that format Thank you. and I'm so glad you guys are doing it. So I know Audrey's not here. I got to see her at Texas, at Texapa's annual meeting. I was working, speaking of just like just like Minnesota, Texas Asphalt Pavement Association is doing an incredible workforce campaign that's turning into something amazing there. But she's not here, so I didn't get to meet her. But I'm always super excited with the Net Zero initiative that I know is near and dear to Audrey's heart. So tell us a little bit more about that and what is the buzz around Con Expo as far as net zero by 2050? So it was at Scottsdale in 2022 that we kind of put that challenge out to industry right. to say, this is, this is where we need to go. And primarily we focus on education and just helping people even understand what does net zero mean. Right. And then uh, the federal government put the foot on the accelerator with a couple of bills last year that have made us uh, really start to try to grapple with it a little bit faster by incentivizing okay. uh, low-carbon construction. And one of the cool things that you're seeing at Con Expo this year is there's a lot of technology that you're seeing that the equipment manufacturers have been working on and thinking about kind of at the back that we didn't know if, when it would become available. But some right. of these things that we're going to need to achieve these goals and whether that's electrification of equipment or using hydrogen as part of our fuel at some of these plants, you're seeing that as reality at this show. And it's giving people that continued momentum where, yeah, we can take the next step forward. And it's, and it's a lot closer than we think it was probably when we rolled things out a year ago. Right. Absolutely. What do you think about the net zero and, and how yeah. we're going to get there? Yeah. I mean, you can see, you can see momentum now for sure. I mean, right yeah. now, 
uh, Joseph's actually doing a class on EPDs, so yeah. that's happening right now as we speak. So, um, well, I'm interested to see how the attendance is, but I'm expecting that you're going to see a growth in attendance for those type of topics with right. how we're able to report on emissions and, you know, the, the I guess, the carbon footprint of our products. And so there's that. I mean, we see a lot of momentum around that program and the EPDs that are being generated. There's a lot more published now than there even was, you know, this time last year. So I think it's a real positive thing. I think we're making real strides to have movement in the right direction. And our members are really, really behind it. And you can tell that the industry really is looking at whatever opportunities are out there and trying to capitalize on them as quickly as possible. So, Yeah, no, I love that. And you mentioned the EPDs, which I think of, I think in my line of work, I'm always thinking about customers, partners, how do we attract them? How do we solve problems for them? And for you guys, it's kind of that membership, the membership of Napa. So what do you see? I know that that's a big thing. I'm like super excited because I'm on the membership committee right now, which Esther is, thank goodness for Esther. I don't know what we all did before Esther, but she kind of makes sure that we stay on track, but we're doing some really cool stuff in there. And it's been really fun to be behind the scenes and be part of that committee. What do you guys, from your guys' perspective, what do you think the membership is looking for? What kind of problems do you think they're facing right now that are really rising to the surface for them that you guys, you know, Napa really wants to position themselves in terms of? I mean, I know workforce continues to be a challenge. So, I mean, I think like things like the education program and helping them kind of bring that next generation in and get them up to speed is something that, that the industry definitely sees as a challenge. I think I hear a lot about some of the supply chain things, just being able to get new equipment or things like that. There's still some of that, but I, I don't know that it's a huge concern. And then I think our members are always interested in you know making sure that infrastructure funding is secured and that we're really staying in contact with the representatives or government in terms of what they're working on, in terms of whether it's initiatives for quality, initiatives for the environment or any of those areas, really. So Yeah. I think two major efforts where Napa can show a lot of lead, is showing a lot of leadership right now is one, it's in the area where you talked about with EPDs, where right. we've been working in this space for almost 10 years now, yeah. either behind the scenes or getting things ready. Which the and, foresight there, and, I think is amazing. Yeah, I have so, to give you guys props for that. So while there's a lot of people that are still trying to figure out, well, what this, what are these things what, and how are they going to impact? It? Why do I need it? We, Why should I care? Yeah, We've got the education in place. We've got the programs in place to make it as easy as possible for contractors to get in, get what they need out of this and, and be effective in it. The second area where I think Napa can continue to provide a lot of leadership, and this is where one of the areas Brett's working in, is in balanced mix design. And as we're, we're moving from an area where we're doing volumetrics and doing recipe style mix designs, actually focusing on getting something that's going to perform and meet the customer's expectations in terms of that. Right. It's, it's helping ensure that as it's implemented, it's done in a way that's going to be effective for contractors to, to be more innovative, use more recycled materials, mm-hmm. and, and really couple that with some of our net zero goals to make some real change yeah. um, when it comes to the way the industry looks and, and does their mix work. Yeah, which I mean, and as somebody that works with members and people in the industry to try to make sure their businesses continue to succeed, I love that you guys, you know, your initiatives focus on multiple levels. They're focused on the industry at large. They're focused on the environment, sustainability. 
but they're focused on how do we make sure our members are succeeding? Like, how do we make sure their bottom line is working with mixed designs? And so let's go back to EPDs and let's answer that question. What are they and why do people need them? Tell us what they are. I'm the non-engineer, so I need to know. So EPDs are environmental product declarations. The classic example or analogy is you go to a grocery store, you buy a piece of food or you buy some food and there's a nutrition label that tells you the calories, the sugar, the carbohydrates and all that. So you can look at it and try to make an intelligent choice of, do I need to put this in my body or not? Right. EPDs are that, except instead of calories, you're looking at things like global warming potential. Or instead of carbohydrates, it's eutrophication or acidification, looking at like acid rain and stuff. And so it allows you to quantify the environmental impacts of, for our EPD program, producing a short ton of asphalt mix. Right. And so it's allowing us to be transparent with our owners about the way that we source our materials, about the fuels we use at our plants, how efficient our plants are, to and be transparent about the true environmental impacts. And as a contractor... We've developed tools to couple with the EPD program to look at things like, well, how do I optimize my operations? What if I chose a different fuel source? How would that impact me from an environmental yes. impact, but also a cost impact? Right. And so we, we've developed a tool called the Optimizer that allows you to do those side-by-side costs and environmental impact comparisons. It's like A-B testing. It's and, awesome. And really kind of have a sandbox to play and say, well, what if I reduce my moisture in my aggregate by a percent? How does that impact my fuel fuel and my, and my dryers. And so a lot of people think about environmental impacts and reducing that, and they think it's going to cost them more money. And there are some things that it will, Yeah. but a lot of it right now is just about improving efficiencies. Right. And that's going to make companies better. It's going to improve right. their bottom line or allow them to do a lower bid and be more competitive in that space. And so it's giving our contractors tools to make them better companies. And I think the EPDs along with the the tools like the optimizer allow contractors to do that. On the other side of things, we're starting to see a lot more push from the federal government to ask for EPDs. And you have numerous states such as Oregon, Illinois just introduced legislation. Minnesota is working on legislation that are going to require contractors to submit these as a part of doing work. Colorado is the state that's the farthest ahead where if you're doing work for the state architecture department in January 1st, 2024, they're required January twenty first, twenty twenty five, DOT works gonna require it as a part of policy, not just information gathering. Right. And so bills like the Inflation Reduction Act are putting a premium on quantifying, understanding what your environmental impacts are and pushing people to do better. But instead of using kind of that stick approach, a lot of these groups are starting to incentivize going lower. So they'll okay. pay the differential costs or reimburse the state DOTs if they're having to pay more for these environmentally preferred or lower carbon materials. So from a strategic standpoint for a business owner, yeah. there's some advantage to getting ahead and being early adopter yeah. on this. Not only can you look at how might this actually impact my cost and that stuff, how might I create better bids and be more competitive, but then also... What about when states are starting to incentivize and how do I get on the front side of that and take advantage of those opportunities? Yeah, and, and there are potentially just new markets. In right. the infrastructure bill, there was a $6.4 billion carbon reduction program that right. reducing your carbon on paving activities through things like life cycle assessment and EPDs allows you to get into that money that was brand new and never been opened before. Right. 
So I love what you guys are doing. And I see this as like for the small, medium-sized contractors, producers that are getting going or just have a smaller scale business, it's hard to be able to go and invest in doing something like that. So being a member of something like Napa, where we can provide all those resources is just incredible. So absolutely just that alone makes it worth the membership. Plus everything else they're doing. Plus, Plus you can listen to Paved Black. You absolutely can. <laughs> Who doesn't want to listen to Brett every other Monday? <laughs> Me. I want to. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much for hanging out and enjoy the rest of your Con Expo. Well, thank you. You too. All right. Delicious. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of The Contractor's Daughter. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and review. But most of all, share this with all of your friends, partners, and customers in the highway construction business. And thank you for building the infrastructure that we all rely on. 